0: I know many of you listening are entrepreneurial. Maybe you have your own business or have dreamed of someday launching a startup. But there are also many established companies that might be looking for their next owner. In 2013, at the age of 23, Elliot and Rebecca Miller acquired Edgar's Feed and Seed in Ontario, Canada.
1: If you're able to work with that person for a few years and get the feel of that business, not only do you have the relationship with the person that owned it before, but you also have a starting relationship with the customer. So it just makes that transition a little bit more seamless.
0: Through a good relationship with the previous owner, Elliot and Rebecca were able to utilize seller financing to buy the local ag retail company. Now, after 10 years, they've not only kept it afloat, but found ways to grow and expand
2: we're always looking for the next thing or what what might be something we can change or add that will improve the customer experience or what their needs are or whether it'll just make our lives easier too. Like if it's something that's going to be beneficial, then we definitely take a hard look at it as well. So yeah, adapting and uh, change is, is a key part of our business and our life, I guess
0: when you should focus and perhaps when you should be more opportunistic. Elliot and Rebecca Miller share their journey to business ownership on today's Future of Agriculture podcast. Hey there, fellow ag nerd. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the future of agriculture. My name is Tim Hamrich, and every week you and I get to hear from the founders, farmers, innovators, and investors, the people shaping the future of the ag industry. Another great episode for you today. But before we dive into that, I want to take just a moment to thank our quarterly presenting sponsor, which this quarter is Calgary Economic Development. Now, what makes Calgary, Alberta, the engine of Canada's agriculture industry? Well, with direct access to a strong agricultural base, Calgary is a well-connected region with collaboration across geographic areas, industries, and research and training institutions. Calgary has experts in all things ag, including primary production, crop science, protein development, ag and food tech innovation, and animal health. It's also a hub for controlled environment agriculture, energy transition opportunities, and value-added food and beverage processing. Calgary is a hotspot for agri-food production and technology development, which is why multinational agribusiness leaders call the city home. In Calgary, they're leading the agribusiness revolution, and you, that's right, you, are welcome to join. Visit calgaryagbusiness.com to learn more. That's www.calgaryagbusiness.com. Thank you so much to Calgary for supporting the Future of Agriculture podcast. All right, now back to today's episode with Elliot and Rebecca Miller. In 2013, at the age of 23, that's right, 23, Elliot and Rebecca purchased a business, then got married then bought a farm. It's a really busy year. The business they bought is Edgar's Feed and Seed, which today offers retail products for livestock and agronomic services and other products for a wide range of crops. They've also started carrying frozen meats, cheeses, and other specialty pantry items from all over Ontario and Canada. They purchased the business from Neil Edgar, who was Elliot's boss there at the time and now works for the Millers as an employee of the company. Today's episode is going to focus on Elliot and Rebecca's journey to acquiring the business, especially at such a young age, uh, how they kind of made it work in those early years as they were paying it off and how they've grown the business since. It's a really inspiring couple doing some great things, and hopefully it will get your wheels turning about business opportunities that you might be able to pursue in your local area. Well, here is my interview with Elliot and Rebecca Miller of Edgar's Feed and Seed in Ontario.
2: When I was real young, I always had an interest in doing something similar to what what we do today. So dealing with seed and feed and animal health products and just like a regular farm supply store. And so when I was in high school, I was looking for a co-op placement. Or my thought process was to get a co-op placement in this type of field. And uh, Neil was a neighbor and talked to him and ended up getting a co-op placement with him in high school. So that's how that started. And at the same time, his son, he was 12 years older than me. He was coming home to learn the ropes and kind of take over the business. And he and I worked together while I was in high school. And we got along really well together. He wanted to farm and then also do this business on the side as well. But then when I went to Guelph after I finished high school, the first fall that I went to Guelph, his son actually passed away in a car accident. So that kind of changed the scope, I guess, a bit. Uh, It was pretty devastating and hard for everybody, but I only worked with him for a year and a half or so. But we got along really well together and we had plans that we would maybe uh, uh, work together when I was done school. And I wouldn't necessarily be in an ownership position at that point with him but uh i'd still work with them so that was the plan so plans shifted and uh i continue to work for neil and his wife all through school like on weekends and summers and stuff like that with the eventual goal to take over ownership because they didn't have a successor left at that point unfortunately and uh it seemed to be a good fit at the time and neil and i worked well together so it kind of just was a, a natural progression to to where we ended up today, I guess.
0: And I understand that uh, Rebecca, you and Elliot purchased the business the same year you got married, so you weren't even married to this guy yet. And he's like, "Just so you know, I'm going to take on all this risk, <laughs> uh, and and you're going to marry me." So, I, how how are you feeling about it at that time?
1: In all honesty, it was a crazy year. We purchased Edgar's in January, and we're married in September, and then we bought a farm that following December January. So.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't even know about the farm. Wow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was definitely a a whirlwind. I mean, we started dating. We both went to the University of Guelph. So that's how we met. I'm not from here on Bruce County. Um, So he was very excited about the opportunity with Edgar. So it was clear from the get go, like he was going home and he was going to have the opportunity to work with Neil and hopefully eventually purchase it. So I knew going into it, this was kind of the scenario we're eventually gonna get to for it to all happen in one year. Like it was pretty crazy, but in all honesty, it worked out well. So
0: well let's just talk about that, you know, the financing behind this real quick. And you could reveal however many details you want about the transaction as far as, you know, how it was structured. But I'm sure there was some component of money up front for the business. Uh it's not like the day you become a business owner, the money just starts, you know, flooding your bank account. And then to buy a farm like how did you look at the financing of all that? How did you approach that? And was it nerve wracking to think like, how are we going to pay for all this?
2: <laughs> um, so we should mention I'm the dreamer and Rebecca is the reality person. So <laughs> I'm the one that's always far reaching and thinking we can do all these big things, and Rebecca brings me back to reality here.
0: That is the exact dynamic in my marriage. So I, I'm I'm with you <laughs> for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we were 23 when we. Bought the business and the farm and got married, I guess. We were, t- <laughs> <laughs> we were 23. So when we were in talks about this, we were 22. One of the not issues, but one of the barriers we had was we had approached uh, the bank that Neil and Kathy had done business with for years because they had a history on the business and all that. We thought, well, we'll check with them and then we'll check with the bank that I had been dealing with since I was a kid. And um, the bank that Neil had dealt with. They wouldn't even offer us like a $25,000 line of credit for the farm or anything, let alone touch the business. So that was kind of disheartening. They had a history like with the business and the there was other things that were important that we thought would be fine. Like Neil was staying on. We were renting the same facility. Nothing was really physically changing. Like the business itself was uh, pretty well a guarantee that it would continue. They didn't even want to extend an even like a personal line of credit or anything, not, let alone a business one. That was one barrier, but we went to our personal bank and like the one that we or I had dealt with as a kid. And uh, it was a credit union and they were pretty obliging. And, and there was a few things we had to still hop, like, get through, but it was uh, a lot more seamless and with uh, the other larger bank that we thought would be okay. So... The deal itself with Neil was we made a five-year term and uh, we didn't actually have to give him anything up front. We made installments over the five-year period. The one piece of the business was for the actual business itself. So we had a dollar amount that we kind of agreed upon. And that was mostly just for like goodwill. There wasn't really, as far as assets, there wasn't a whole lot of assets for sure. It was mostly just the business itself. And then there's the inventory aspect because there's feed and supplies and stuff like that. So we we agreed on a um, an inventory value. We did an inventory and took it at the face value of a purchase price. And we made that on a, a five-year term as well. Thankfully, they were willing to work with us on that. So they allowed us to get a few months under our belt before we started making some bigger payments. And then by the end of the five-year term, They were paid off and uh, Neil was still working with us. We were still at their place at that point and uh, things kind of went fairly smoothly that way. Um, As far as the farm, we had purchased uh, a neighbor's farm that we had worked with. I had actually started working with them when I was 16 in high school. I bought his small cow herd from him and then we got to know each other well that way and we made a, a term with the cows at that point too. So we had worked... Together with that, and then he had his home farm and then his other farm. So he agreed to sell us his other farm. And uh, we split that mortgage between uh, like FCC Farm Credit. And then they did a vendor take back for us for half of the dollar amount as well to, to give us a start and help us out.
0: A vendor take back, is that basically seller finance?
2: Yes. Yeah. 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 So they kind of financed us on half of it. And then FCC Farm Credit took the other half.
1: It worked out well for both of us because he got some cash up front and then he also got like a monthly income. So it wasn't all from a tax purpose as well. So
2: Both of them are very good to us to yes. get, give us our yeah. start to, to get going. So you're
0: paying off this business five years, paying off the inventory and, and the goodwill, the, the customer base, the operations of the business. So you're paying that off over five years. Was it Neil's idea or your idea to kind of like make the transaction happen at that timing?
2: Neil turned 65 the year that we purchased it, I guess is what it would be. And um, we were young. We were wanting to get going and doing things on our own and whatnot. So he kind of thought that maybe 65 would be a good time for him to to sell and slow down a bit. but Or not have the headaches of being a business owner as much anymore and just more so doing the things that he liked to do like talking to the customers and still making sales and stuff like that but not maybe not necessarily have to worry about all the background stuff that you have to worry about as a business owner like finances and collecting accounts and stuff like that Rebecca now are you're you're an agronomist is that right
1: yeah, so I'm an agronomist. So I'm a certified crop advisor. So I worked not at Edgars. I worked at a seed company previously and joined Edgars in 2020.
0: So, so was the idea in those early days like hey, if if we're having trouble making ends meet and paying off the business, like we would kind of lean on on Rebecca's salary for now since she's got a a good job.
2: Yep. <laughs>
1: It definitely helped. Like Elliot kind of mentioned before, he's more like the risk taker. I'm more the conservative person. So I definitely felt more comfortable having an outside salary for sure. And uh, I was really enjoying my job. Edgar's had just grown to a size that we either needed to hire someone to do the seed side of the business or I needed to come home to do it. And we had two kids at the time and it just made a lot more sense from a work-life family balance for me to be kind of in charge of my own schedule. I probably should have come home a few years earlier. There was room then, but I was just very cautious about being self-employed just from like a financial security standpoint, essentially.
0: And so the, the seed side of business, the agronomy side of business, that was already growing and it was to that point where they needed somebody or did you kind of bring that with you when you came over?
1: Yeah, so when we bought the business, Neil had previously had a seed dealership. That seed company had kind of been transitioned a few times and been bought out as kind of egg companies go through those transitions. So Elliot took on a new seed business for corn and soybeans. So that business in itself had kept steadily growing to a point that Elliot wasn't servicing to the same ability as what he maybe should have been to keep continuing to grow that business, right? He was just kind of maxed out on hours in the day between the feed and animal health side of the business, plus the crop side of the business, plus we also farm on the side, right? So we kind of had just reached that breaking point of, okay, we got to do something now, or the crop side of the business might start to slip the other way, just from a time standpoint. So I came on and Elliot had already built the business and then I just kind of continued to grow on top of the business that was there.
2: She had like our five year goal in six months type thing with when she came on, so it was a definite, definite improvement for sure. It was a good hire then. Yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I passed my probation
1: period. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and what about like local competition? Is it a competitive marketplace locally?
1: For the crop side, we are in a very competitive market. Yes, we're kind of a unique scenario. There is a lot of bigger crop input suppliers right around us. I mean, if you wanna buy chemical, you can probably buy from five or six different places within 20 minutes of driving. So um, there is a lot of competition. So you always have to kind of have like a competitive edge or provide that much more resource and information to kind of keep you at the forefront because it is highly competitive on the crop input side of things around here. Mm
2: -hmm. On the feed side there, is more consolidation i guess you would say with some businesses some smaller um locations and whatnot closing or getting bought out by other larger companies like just this week we just learned of a local co-op closing one of their locations here this year sometime so there is some changes that way but part of that is also to do with some parts of the livestock industry around us locally has changed too like there's still bunch of hobby farms and smaller stakeholder farmers and whatnot but the medium-sized farms a lot of those farmers are approaching retirement age or if they don't want to quit farming they'll get out of livestock but still cash crop and whatnot too so there's a bit of a change in the demographic of some of the farmers around here so i can't see too many new feed stores popping up around us at all but there are still enough around that there is a healthy competition in the local area which is which is good competition's a good thing you don't want to be the only player in town in my opinion but keeps everybody honest and everybody on their toes too so
0: yeah absolutely
2: well i know you've got
0: so the, the market segmentation that is you know commercial Farmers and ranchers. And then you've got market segmentation that's probably like, you know, hobby or backyard type farmers, let's call them. And then you, you've got this third market that you've developed, which is actually selling farm goods to the public, to consumers. Um, I want to talk about that third segment. But before we do, how, how would you break down the percentages of those three groups as far as your business? Is it, you know, half commercial, half non commercial,
2: or how would you break that down? That's a good question. I guess we've never really segmented it out that way per se, but probably like, 60 to 70 percent is like commercial I would say like our normal you know day in day out farmers and then probably uh 10 to 15 percent would be maybe like the hobby small stead farmer and then the other 10 to 15 percent would be probably in that public residential and cottagers actually we have quite a few cottagers now too on the road that we're on so it changes over time and it's definitely uh evolved from when we even moved here to our new location five years ago too so
0: and i'm sorry what what's a cottager (laughs) (laughs)
2: and we have people that drive up from the city uh like from toronto kitchener waterloo london and they have cottages at the lake so they have like summer properties and whatnot that they're driving two three hours to go and and spend their weekend or a week at a time at the lake And we're on a main highway that comes up from Kitchener, Waterloo, Guelph, and even connected to Toronto. So we have quite a few people that are out of town and they'll stop in to see uh, what we have to offer because we have a large parking lot and that's the sign of the road now. So they stop in and say, well, we drive by here all the time, but we've never taken the time to stop. So we want to see what you have. So that's when we started to get into more retail products like uh, frozen meat and cheese and, and pantry items and grass seed like lawn seed and fertilizer bag mulch stuff like that
0: yeah and over all the all the years and all the ideas you've had what changed since you've taken ownership of the business seems to have worked to the best or contributed the most to to the bottom line and to to your business's growth
2: bringing rebecca on as of that focuses solely on the crop side of her business is improved immensely it was a small fraction of the business when we took it over and even when i was doing it but now it's grown to be a a big foothold part of our business so that's one thing that's definitely changed quite a bit on the product side and whatnot i would say probably like the retail items would be the biggest change in the draw for getting more than just our standard farmer in every day because it used to be we could sell like a lot of penicillin and different animal health products and whatnot. With legislation and regulation changes a few years ago, then they pulled all that away from what was called over-the-counter purchasing. So through stores like us, the co-op and whatnot, and it all went to a veterinary prescribed method. So that was a big part of our sales and profit was in the animal health side of the business. So you know, over time, we lost a lot of that revenue. So we had to think of something that would be able to replace it or to grow what we already had or to bring something else in that might complement our business. So that's when we, we purchased a freezer from a a small town general store that had closed, they were selling a freezer on marketplace, and we bought it and brought it in didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. But that kind of started the the growth. And and uh kind of went from there. So it's been it's been a nice uh piece of the business because it brings different people in that we wouldn't necessarily deal with day in, day out from all different areas of life and whatnot. So we have older people like seniors coming in, we have young young people coming in, young families, middle-aged people. It's it's kind of a nice uh way to break up our day too, to have different people in that are not always just talking about the weather and <laughs> whatnot as a lot of uh us farmers do, I guess. But uh, I would say that's the one thing that's really changed a lot. So maybe dollar wise, it's not the same as selling like a ton of feed or a ton of seed or something, but the margin is a little better too. So you can sell less, but make a bit more profit at the end of the day too.
0: Yeah, Hearing your story reminds me of kind of this, this sort of tension between focusing on the thing that's working and just going all in on that one thing that's working versus like, Adapting, you know, adapting to your surroundings, spotting opportunities and sort of evolving. It seems like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you tell me, it seems like sort of the, the adapt, evolve and pounce on new opportunities has really been, you know, beneficial to, to your business.
2: Yep. That's how I view things, I guess, is we're always looking for the next thing or what, what might be something we can change or add that will improve the customer experience or what their needs are or whether it'll just make our lives easier too, like, if it's something that's going to be beneficial, then we definitely take a hard look at it as well. So yeah, adapting and uh, change is, is a key part of our business and our life, I guess.
0: And Rebecca, when, when Elliot proposed, did he say, I'm going to own an ag retail company someday and I really need an agronomist.
1: I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was when... all part of
2: the plan. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it all kind of just fell into place, I guess. I don't know if we'd really even talked about me coming to work with you when we first purchased it. Like that was kind of your thing and I was content where I was, but just like Elliot said, adapt to change, look at new opportunities as they present themselves. And yeah, the opportunity was there.
0: And, you know, as far as uh, you said earlier, Elliot, that, you know, one reason Neil was ready to sell is that he'd like to show up and do the things he likes to do and not have to deal with a headache of business ownership. For those listening who don't know about that headache of business ownership, can you define that a little bit more? What are the struggles of, of uh, the business ownership?
2: As we've gotten older and got more seasoned and experienced and grown the business, so this pressure is maybe not been as bad as at the start, but it was more I was checking like certain things. For instance, I'd be checking our bank account every day to make sure we had enough money in the account to cover the bills and (laughs) make sure we had enough coming in and out to keep ahead type thing and grow that way. Whereas now I still check it, but it's not to the same extent or worry that not that I was ever doubting that we would be able to make payment every month or anything. But it's just one of those things that until you get into the groove and the the momentum of how and the seasons too, actually for that matter, like because the seasons are different every year. As you get more experience in that, then it seems to level out and not be as much of a worry that way. And then the other is just you know being an independent business, like you're always worried if a customer doesn't get along well with a turn of cattle or different scenarios where you're always worried if a customer might change or want to do something different or. Whichever, like you always want to be in communication with them and in the know. But uh, it's always that worry, like nothing ever is guaranteed at all. People change for 10 cents cheaper on something else or some certain product and whatnot. So you just got to always be on the on your toes, I guess, to try and keep ahead and keep on top of uh, different things that way with your customers to maintain that relationship with them.
1: We both are not like HR Yeah, I guess oriented. That's That's not something that we've ever had to focus on before. So I think owning your own business and payroll and just hiring people and making sure like the expectations of your staff matches like your expectations, I think, was like a little bit of a learning curve. Um, We're in a really good spot now with the staff we have, but it's always I'm always just a little nervous bringing on new staff members because you just want to make sure that they they drive with. A, the business and B, with like the rest of the staff. So the HR aspect of things is definitely a bit of a learning curve for both of us. And I think it's just with time, it gets definitely easier for sure.
0: And how do you all approach working in the business versus working on the business?
2: Um, <laughs> it's, it's been a gray area, I guess. Thought about this the other day, actually, the last year or so, I feel like, I relied more on our staff to do like the day-to-day, day-in, day-out in the business type stuff. And we're more focused on, on the business more so, I guess. Like it used to be we we're in the business all the time and whatnot. But I'd say the last while, like we had a change in, in our seed brand last fall. So we had, you know, we were thinking more about the long-term bigger picture stuff than which I would call like working on the business versus in the business at that point. So I'd say, it definitely changes and we've had to adapt that too, but there's no percentage. Like I know there's some business owners that will work so many hours a day in the business and so many hours a day on the business and structure their life that way. But that's not how we are. We just roll with the punches right now and, and see what uh, what works best. Every week is different, which is also part of why I enjoy what we do is every week is different. There's no repetition for sure.
0: How did COVID impact the business?
2: So that was a shocker, like a lot of businesses, I guess. But of anything, we did not lose sales. We were probably busier. One is the porch pickup. The building we built, we put a rough round porch around it, which looks nice. And we had a lot of comments about it, but it worked well for this scenario with COVID when everything was shut down and people would just call us. We'd set it out with the bill and they just switch to e-transfer and it worked out really seamlessly that way for the most part. The other thing that was good for our business is because there was like the odd craze for some things running out of stock and whatnot in the grocery store because we had freezer meat and stuff like that, like that part of our business really took off too because they could come out here. We're in an isolated area, like we have nobody close by, they could come be six feet apart or whatever, they could get whatever they needed for the freezer meat and other items and not have to go into town and and whatnot that way. So it was just a different option that some people were more comfortable with. And it worked out really well. I would say there was a lot of businesses that suffered and, and struggled during COVID because of, you know, the shutting a lot of the stuff down. But for us, we were very fortunate that things maintained, if not improved during those first few months and year. I guess it's been years now since COVID started, but uh, it's been quite good for us, really.
1: I think the hardest thing about COVID for our business was just, like, the management side of things from a personnel side and staff. Just the rules were always changing. So it's like, okay, what's the rules this week? Or, like, what happens if someone's a close contact, right? Like, we don't have anybody. There's no one above us, right? So we were always trying to, like, abide by whatever the public health rules were. So I just found it a little bit of a struggle just trying to keep up with like, what, what are the rules and regulations to keep the staff safe, um, especially in those beginning few months. And as we got into different scenarios, so that was like a bit of a struggle. But as far as the business sales, it was very good. And we're yeah. very thankful for that.
2: And we wanted to make sure that our staff felt safe to be at work and and still deal with the public and whatnot like we had very understanding staff and it went very well but there was some customers that were maybe a bit more agitated with certain rules and stuff like that in place but we're trying to appease everybody and do the right thing for the majority of the public and our staff and our customers so we we just had to change and evolve as as the regulations changed as well too
0: and uh, not not specific to COVID, but just in general in the last 10 years, can you pick a pick a low point and pick a high point that stands out to you as you re- reflect on your time in business ownership so far? And maybe you both have different ones, which is totally cool. I'd love to hear them.
1: That's a really good question. That is a good question. I think a high point for for me was just like opening the new location. We were trying to buy the farm that it's on for probably 2 to 3 years and the lady was who lived here was like not ready to sell which is fair like that's totally we weren't here to push her out by any means we just wanted to make sure this was the prime location to build and we wanted kind of the first crack at it so i think just seeing like the development of the building plans and watching it go up and then like moving in even though i wasn't part of the business at that point i think that definitely was like a highlight just to see like all your hard work go into that We celebrated 10 years in January and I went through pictures and just created a reel for our social media platform. And just looking at the change from when we first purchased the business and we're running out of like the original shed to now, like you don't realize it on a day-to-day basis, how much has changed and how much the business has grown. Because I find like when you're doing it day-to-day, it just seems like everything's going well, continue on. But, But when you look back, like the change and just like the product offering... And like the customer base, like how far we reach now, like, like we're very proud of that. And we hope to continue that. So for me, just like starting a new location was definitely a highlight. I would say.
2: Yeah, I think for me, part of it was actually bringing Rebecca home to do the seed part of it. That is her passion. And that is her uh, strength. And she complemented our business very well. And I always had hoped that we'd be able to work together someday. And, um, since she has done that, like our business has exponentially grown and improved uh, quite a bit, so I'm quite happy with how things have been going that way, and also allowing our our kids to watch us do what we love every day, and and they they don't see the the lows per se, but they see how much we enjoy going to work every day, and they tell us they want to grow up and work at Edgar's when they're when they're older too, and whatnot, and just uh, the ability to have our family with us. Like this week, our daughter was with me one day when we were sorting seed and I tried to bring her home to have lunch, but we came home to get lunch, but we had to go back to Edgar's to eat it because that's where dad would eat his lunch. (laughs) It was just kind of heartwarming to see how much your kids see uh, the value in what you do, I guess. As far as a low point, I I don't know... Probably the early days of just stressing about making payments and making sure we had the, made the right decision to do this to go on our own. Like there was a few days where you wonder why why we ever did this cuz we should just, you know, go work for somebody else cuz at the end of the day you're done your job and you go home and you can do your own thing and not have the worry and the being up all night worrying about payments or customer thoughts or or what you're going to do to try and solve another issue or problem with the customer's operation or whatever. So we still have those days. Like there's still days that, you know, you kind of wonder why you're doing it all. But at the end of the day, majority of the days are a lot better than that. So that's what keeps you going every day.
0: And last question here, if you were to give advice to someone else who wants to have business ownership, but doesn't have a relationship similar to the one you had with Neil, how would you recommend them putting themselves in a position for these opportunities and then if you have any advice for once they found an opportunity uh something to keep in mind
2: I, I would say um it is hard if you don't have like somebody like neil like we are very fortunate we had somebody like that that we could work with but if there's a certain sector or a certain business that you really have an interest in then i would say if if you know that somebody's looking to retire or sell out or slow down Just go in and just say, I don't know if there's any opportunity down the road or if you're looking to make a change or looking to retire, I would be interested or I'd like to learn more about your business as well. And then the other thing is having a good network around you is also very important, too, because you never know who's watching or whose eyes are out there in the industry and whatnot. Like when you're young and in school and whatnot, like the companies and the businesses are watching some of those new grads and the newly graduated people to see where they end up and what they do and how they respond to courses and meetings and stuff like that, like how they present themselves too. So that network is very important and strong and they'll be your connection to your next opportunity. At the time, you may not know it, but you never know what door might open because of somebody that you bumped into at a meeting or a coffee shop or whatever.
1: Yeah, I think too, we've gone through a couple different transitions and they've gone through different pass and probably the easiest transitions, the most seamless transitions is if you're able to work with that person for a few years and get the feel of that business before you purchase it it just goes not only do you have the relationship with the person that owned it before but you also have a starting relationship with the customer so it just makes that transition a little bit more seamless I mean that's not always possible and some people like when they want to sell they want to sell and they want to be done which is fine but having the ability to kind of like mentor with them goes a long way
0: all right some great advice there from both elliot and rebecca to end our episode on today thank you so much to both elliot and rebecca miller for being on today's show you can learn a lot more about what they're doing over at edgarsfeedandseed.ca of course, we will put that link in the show notes as well. Now, I'm just really interested, as you heard last week and this week, in this concept of business acquisition, entrepreneurship through acquisition. There's a lot of great podcasts out there that you can listen to that are general, but hard to find specifically ag content in this area. So I'm curious what your thoughts are, if this is interesting to you. I imagine if you're still listening to it, you probably are part of the group that this is interesting to, but I would sure love your feedback, Tim at graduate. Ag- com or at Tim Hamrich on Twitter and of course uh, LinkedIn DMs work as well but if if this is interesting content maybe we'll do some more episodes I don't have additional episodes in this area planned yet uh, but I'm certainly interested in doing my own independent research on this I'd be glad to share if that's something that is appealing to you as well I know we have plenty of entrepreneurs in the group but I also know that oftentimes uh, those entrepreneurs are looking towards more tech type businesses but I'm I'm fascinated by these retail businesses and, and other companies, other businesses that might be available due to whatever reason, maybe owners retiring or just looking to move on, do something else. Um, I think it's an interesting area of our industry that is underexplored, at least here on this show. Thanks so much to the Calgary Economic Development. Go visit them at calgaryagbusiness.com, our quarterly presenting sponsor. And last but certainly not least, thank you for your time and your attention. I never take it lightly. I'll be back next week with another story of
2: ag innovation.